You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Extension Hour. I'm Amy Ressler, family and, wait, county extension agent, family and community health. Some days I forget who I am and I forget what I do. Is it mostly on Friday? Usually, yeah. Probably. And then some days my Fridays are like Mondays and this week's been kind of weird too. Right. Um, I have with me Dr. Mark Ferries. You want to say hello? Introduce yourself? Uh, hello, yes. Mark Ferris. I am an associate professor and state extension health specialist with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and adjunct faculty with uh, the College of Medicine at A&M and the School of Public Health. So you have a fancy title. Mm-hmm. I always like when I have guests here, um, especially very uh, distinguished guests who have fancy titles. Well, that's and why I chose this career because I could, yeah. <laughs> I say could a have, lot of words. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell people often in extension. We, we like words because we use them a lot. Yeah, that's right. Um, so this is the extension hour. So every Friday right here on Lone Star Community Radio, we do the extension hour. Sometimes we have other um, hosts as our other county extension agents. Mm-hmm. Um, but today it's me. And um, but the first thing I got to do before I forget, I want to um, announce a few things that are going to happen um, coming up for um, at the extension office or some of the extension programs. So our Master Gardener program last Saturday, they had their fruit and nut tree sale. And mm-hmm. it actually went really well. Um, even though it was really rainy that day, but um, the the sales that they do are, are always awesome. So the next one coming up, because that's what people always want to know when they go, oh man, I missed it. Um, the spring plant sale will be March 24th. So people want to put that on their calendars. But um, in between that on Saturdays, they're doing some um, educational classes um, just to kind of help the, the public know more about gardening and some of the questions that come up. So we have a phone room. People can call and ask any question that they want, really specific questions about, you know, whatever, why is my grass mm-hmm. brown or whatever. But um, they also offer classes that give them the, um, get more, just more information. So like on February 10th, they're going to do two sessions. One in the morning um, is gonna, going to be lawn and lawn care. Because uh, that's people around here like to. Have and their they're going to be upset because everybody's going to ask why their grass is, is brown. brown. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. But they always, they have they have really good um, information so that people kind of know mm-hmm. know what to do. And um, then they also have one on identifying solutions and lawn problems. Mm-hmm. And so that'll be the second session. So you, people can go to one or both, uh, either one or both. So um, and they'll do that. Uh, so that's February tenth. There's another one on March tenth. And like I said, the spring plant sale will be March twenty fourth. They'll do one every month, so um, once a month on wow. Saturdays. Yep. So we, we have an awesome Master Gardener group here. That's incredible. Yeah, there's like 360 volunteers that really? um, help out. So, yep. And then our ag department is also really busy. So um, Hurricane Harvey was one thing that brought a lot of things to people's minds that they hadn't thought about before. Um, so they're actually going to host a seminar called What If? They're going to focus on horse owners, but it really is related to any kind of large animals or even small animals. Um, so kind of preparing for that so that the next time something happens, um, those people that own horses and other animals are prepared for it. So that's going to be a Tuesday night program, February 6th, 630, um, there at the extension office. And so, um, anybody that's interested in that can call, um, and sign up for it. Also, our pesticide applicator training will happen in March. Um, and that's another thing that a lot of uh, folks around here need their continuing education hours to get um, their pesticide applicator training, to keep it up to date, all that good stuff. Um, So that is on March 27th. And then our 4-H program is also very busy. They're doing a food workshop um, and that's going to be on February 24th. So anybody um, ages, not ages, but grades three to 12 Mm -hmm. um, is welcome to join 4-H. And so if someone just like kind of wants to know what can I do in 4-H, um, this is a good opportunity. And so food, you know, it's my favorite. I like to eat. <laughs> yeah. So the food workshop's really fun. So it'll be a good uh, learning environment. So it's for uh, kids that have been in 4-H for a long time or kids that are just kind of like first starting out or have never been in 4-H and just kind of want to know what it's all about. It'll give them a, a good taste. Ha, see what I did there? So that was very good. Yeah. I was thinking food is probably the best thing to get people <laughs> yeah. encouraged to come. Yep. Give them a really good taste yeah. of what uh, what's happening. So then we also stay busy with family and community uh, health. But you know what's ironic is that this week I have uh, three of my coworkers in the family and community health department are out with the flu. Yeah. And you were saying when we were walking up that some of your um, coworkers are also down with the flu. Yes, they are. And like I said, 
they're out and I'm glad they're out because <laughs> yeah. I don't want it. Right. So if you're sick, don't, don't come in. Sure. This is one of the, the, I mean, they're saying it's one of the worst flu seasons. And then what yeah. happens too is the complications related to that when people don't take care of themselves. That It is. It and, and depending on where your health is when you get the flu, um, and then that could complicate what you currently have. I know flu can even increase risk of, of heart attacks. So it's, it's more than, yeah, just a sniffly nose or even a little fever and some achiness. It, it's, it's definitely worthwhile to get checked out and, and hit it early. Sure. So I've got a list of things. Um, for, mm-hmm. That's the thing that people sometimes, you know, is it the flu? Do I have allergies? Is it just a cold? But symptoms of the flu, high fever, 100 uh, degrees Fahrenheit or above, a dry cough, a sore throat, muscle aches and pains, runny or stuffy nose, headache, lack of energy, and then it also may cause diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, those kinds of things. And then we also mentioned the uh, possible complications. So some that are listed on the handout that I'm looking at, ear infection, sinus infection, dehydration can lead to pneumonia. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that's bad is the spread because it's highly contagious. People um, are, it's easily spread from person to person. So yeah. prevention, get your annual flu shot in the fall before the flu season starts. Stay three to six feet away from others who are sick. Where are we right now? <laughs> oh, we, I don't know. Are we three feet? Did you measure this? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not well, if you're it. thinking about microphones, you're like a couple inches from somebody else. Yeah, who oh, was here last? True. And this this is the the foamiest microphone <laughs> I've ever seen. So there's so. no telling. Thanks, Dick. Can we take a culture of this? I wouldn't. I would not. No, yeah, you should be Did fine. Did you spray it down with Lysol yeah. in between? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing, keeping everything really clean. And the other thing is washing, washing your, hands. your hands. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. No brainer. Often. Often. <laughs> often. Very often. Yeah. Well, Just, you start thinking about how much you touch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot. It is. Especially the, the handsy people <laughs> out there. It's, yeah. Some, some of us are more handsy than others, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and then also cover your cough or your sneeze because it's airborne. Yeah. And use your uh, yeah, sleeve and yeah, not your turn. hand. Yeah. Because <laughs> the handsy people yeah. cough mm-hmm. and <laughs> high five. <laughs> Give it back to you. Um, then clean and disinfect, build your immunity, take good care of yourself, which actually is what we're going to talk about today. So I've got you here too. So I want to talk about health kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so now tell me again, you ha- how many degrees do you have? <laughs> uh, three. Okay. Undergrad, master's, and then PhD. Okay. But they're, they're all different. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a story in between all those. But in short, undergrad was at Texas A&M in kinesiology. Um the path led me into the fitness industry. I felt like I didn't know enough. So I went back to school to get my master's in exercise physiology to really dig into the details of how the body works and mm-hmm. responds, exercise and nutrition. But it was during that time where I realized, okay, I kind of know what to tell people to do, but I don't know how to get them to do it yeah. or to stick with it. And so that became very, very intriguing and some uh, important people came into my life at that time and sort of steered me toward behavioral medicine, health psychology, which is what route I went for my PhD. Hmm. And so you you said adjunct faculty with the School of Public Health? School of Public Health okay. and the College of Medicine. So, and you actually even work with doctors, like training doctors, is that is that right? Am yeah, so yeah, so on the uh, the medicine side, there's the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And so this is healthcare practitioners, not just doctors, mm-hmm. who have dedicated their practice, at least in part, if not fully, to uh, preventing, treating, reversing disease with lifestyle. And so that organization, I was looped in years ago because a lot of docs were banging their head against the wall because they were like, I'm telling them, look, you're pre-diabetic. You don't have to be diabetic. All you got to do is eat differently, be active. Uh, and they wanted to prescribe that lifestyle as the medicine. But how do we get those patients to take the medicine uh, when lifestyle is, is the situation? But uh, so anyway, that led me into that world. And so that I do exist there, um, which leads us to what are doctors doing now to even promote lifestyle at all. Right. What do they have time to do? Any healthcare practitioner and how early could we start in training the next generation, for example, of healthcare providers? And so that's what we talk about uh, within the College of Medicine uh, and even the undergrad, uh, whether it be through the School of Public Health or Biomedical Sciences, you know, they'll eventually be not only practitioners, but public health type practitioners. Mm-hmm. 
And so how do we accommodate some of this knowledge that we know uh, about prevention, treatment, and even reversal of disease? Yeah. And you're also well-published. You've been published how many times? Oh, I don't know. If you just count straight research studies, probably only about 15. Oh, only 15. Well, it's, it's different. You know, I have <laughs> yeah. colleagues that publish way more. Sure. Um, but I purposely chose a route uh, that we did a lot of studies that didn't work. Um, and we did a lot of ideas that just didn't end up the way we thought and weren't publishable. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, to be able to be somewhere where you can test novel ideas in research, uh, they may not be fundable. Uh, uh, and so that was a, a decision I had to make years ago. Do I want to go somewhere where I can publish a ton uh, within areas, but sort of change my research to meet what the funding is offering? Mm-hmm. Or do I just stick to my guns and do what I want, even though I wouldn't have a bajillion publications? Yeah. And that was, it was the right decision. Uh, but, you know, I write editorials and, and other publications all the time. Yeah. Well, and I, I just wanted to point out, you know, your esteemed qualifications, because then I wanted to lead into talking about pudding. No, oh, you had to throw that in there. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah, it was it was just kind of fun. To, yeah. he, he's really awesome. And we're going to talk about pudding now. Yeah. And um, so the pudding we're going to talk about is fitness pudding. So um, one of the things you do is you have a website, fitness pudding, and it's dot com, right? Dot com. So usually we don't recommend that people, not not that we don't recommend that they don't use .com, but that's one of the kind of clues sometimes that maybe that's not the most reliable site, but this yeah. one I think is an exception. It is, and it is nonprofit technically. I mean, I don't make any money off of mm-hmm. it. There's no money that even comes in. It's just a service I provide. It's just a hobby. Yeah. Pretty the, much. But it's got great information on it. So the thing is that the, the premise is that the proof is in the pudding, right? So that's why you called it fitness pudding. Yeah. That- you know, I learned that it's that was that the proof is in the pudding while tasting it. Like there's another. Oh, is there more to it? There's more to it that in short, what it's oh. saying is <laughs> you don't really know if it's good or not until you experience it. Okay. And so um, with so many people out there, the site is really about the experience. It's trying to simplify that because we know physical activity, eating healthy, it can be difficult on its own within the milieu of dynamics of, of our life and our family and our jobs and how busy we are, our kids, sure. et cetera. But then you throw in all the media and how that complicates it. Mm-hmm. I'm really trying to at least remove or clarify all the misconceptions and sometimes downright deceit. That, that people do as it relates to health and wellness. Sure. sure. It's almost like the snopes of, it, of fitness and health and medical. It, it's, it's myth busting, just <laughs> very yeah. specific to, yeah. and I, you know, but it's not necessarily busting. So when I first started out, that's kind of was my intent was I was frustrated with a lot of these. And so I'm going to go bust myth, but sometimes you find that they're not bust. They're confirmed. Or oh, yeah, yeah. maybe we don't know. So or, what you're hearing is true. I mean, because we don't want to like everything you ever hear is not true. But that's kind of what you focus on with your fitness pudding. It is. And trying to be as unbiased and honest as possible. Okay. I want to talk about that some more okay. because I think it's a really important topic. Um, and so I also want people to come back and listen to us because we have to take a little bit of a break. But you're listening to Lone Star Community Radio 104.5, 106.1. And we'll be right back. Hispanic Chamber Connections with Dr. Carlos Sanchez, president of the Woodlands-Conroe Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, featuring event announcements, member highlights, and more. Tuesdays at 1 p.m., broadcasting from the heart of Conroe, Texas, on IRLoneStar.com and Conroe's FM This is Amy Ressler. I've got Dr. Mark Ferris with me, and we're talking about pudding. That's right. <laughs> you got to say it the good Texan way, right, pudding? Well, I don't do it intentionally, but, you know, I've been asked before often oh, yeah. when I say, what's your website? And I tell them, they're like, mm-hmm. I-N-G, because I guess I'm saying it, pudding. <laughs> Does it really have a G? So it is F-I-T-N-E-S-S-P-U-D-D-I-N-G.com. So fitnesspudding.com. And follow us on Facebook. Uh, we just started an Instagram account as well, so you can find us. Yeah, so getting information out is is important. And one of the things we were kind of alluding to before we went to the break was um, how much information is out there. 
And unfortunately, there's a lot of bad information. There's a lot of misinformation. And um, a lot of folks depend on their social media for yeah. their um, information, you know, so they read it on Facebook or my friend posted this, so it must be true. And so trying to wade through that can be kind of, um, it, it can be very challenging and very overwhelming. And sometimes I see things on Facebook and I just like, you know, face palm. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's other things that I see that, you know, it's, it's great. And um, so the fitness pudding is, is one of those um, things. So you were telling me in the break that you have started developing the mythies. Yeah, so that's the new, because uh, trying to keep it short. Mm -hmm. So not only do, well, you talked about people wading through. Most people don't wade through anything. They see it, and it's truth. And that's that's a problem. We have a bias to just believe when we see it. Um, years ago, I was in the grocery store, and I catch up on all my my gossip, like who's divorcing, who's marrying there at the checkout. The tabloids, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so if we're being attacked by aliens or not. And so it's always good to know that's prepared. Right. Plus it keeps you away from the candy. It's usually on the opposite <laughs> side. And so I was reading that and there was two ladies in front of me. And this was back, I don't know, but I guess Jessica Simpson had put on some weight. Mm -hmm. But on the front, it said, Jessica Simpson now weighs, and I forget what it was. It was like 136. But it was a very specific number. And these mm -hmm. ladies were like, oh, my gosh, can you believe Jessica Simpson weighs 136? Like they automatically believed like the whoever wrote that had her medical <laughs> records or spied on her scale in the bathroom and somehow knew her exact weight. Right. But, on any given day, because it can fluctuate, mm -hmm. as we know. Right. <laughs> but, you know, uh, a few weeks later, I was on YouTube looking how to fix a certain thing on my truck. And I was believing it first time I heard it. There could have been an expert in that area that was like, look at that idiot. You know, he's listening to this, believing every word this guy says, yeah. and he's doing it wrong. So anyway, it just made me think that we ha all have a tendency to read and believe. And we have articles, you know, that we that extend out. But do we read the whole thing and do yeah. we get the tidbits? And you also have journalists who are doing a good job, honestly, just like I was years ago. But I just wasn't getting it quite right. And so there is a skill, there is an ability, there is a, a, a time and of effort to get in and dig through, and most people don't do that. Mm -hmm. And so you get to the point of how do we present the correct information, but do it well and do it fast? Yeah. Because now, you know, you're scrolling through Facebook, you know, what do you stop on? If it doesn't get you in four seconds, then you're gone, if sure. not less. And so we, anyway, that's where the mm -hmm. mythy came from. Okay is how can we present, sometimes you just need to review something pretty quickly. It doesn't take a four minute detailed video. How can we show it in 30, 40, maybe 50 seconds? And that's what we're, we're doing with the Mythy. So the, there's Mythies available on, on fitnesspudding.com. Mm -hmm. And if someone wants to share that information, they could put it on their Oh, Facebook please do. Or, yeah. yeah, and you find it on Facebook. Yeah, please share it, attach yeah. it and plug Help it. Help share good information. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. So I, I think it's interesting something that you said that people maybe don't um, spend more than four seconds looking at something. But my thought is that's until they're perhaps diagnosed with something or, you know, they get their yeah. lab results back and the doctor says you're pre-diabetic or your cholesterol is high. And then it's like, what now I need to find out information. And then that's when we kind of get into it more. So yeah. in in extension, we have lots of um, mm -hmm. resources to help people with that. And then, and then there's, there's other resources as well. I mean, I, you know, I think that we do a good job in extension, but I do think that there's lots of others. So making sure that you're finding good information too. Um, and again, not always just relying on because somebody said it on Facebook. Well, that's it. And, you know, the information world is designed around these, what we call saliency. So when you're talking about, you know, if I'm hungry, food is very salient to me. If I'm cold, getting warm is very salient, right? That's it's meaningful to I need me it now. in that moment. Yeah. And our brains are very, very good at focusing in on those things. The more we're aroused, the more we're stressed, the more it, it focuses in. Our vision actually closes in. Um, and that's why, like in a football game, you see someone chasing the punt returner and out of nowhere, they just get shellacked. It's because their peripheral vision is closed in wow. because of the increased arousal, mm -hmm. psychological arousal. And so you have the situation where there are things that are very meaningful, but they're very common, right? Like excess body weight or being unhappy with body parts or um, 
skin quality or hair quality. Like there's these things that are salient a lot to people, saving time, feeling confident, um, you know what I mean? Not leaving things in the past. Like my, I used to be able to do those and now I'm not able to do it. Mm -hmm. That's why you have infomercials, you know, that, you know, the ladies open in the jars, <laughs> making yeah. it easier because that's a very common discrepancy that, that people have. And so you go to the internet and search and you find so much information because most people are searching for very common discrepancies that are, again, common amongst a bunch of different people. So would, if you were to have to narrow it down to two or three, four, whatever, a handful of issues that you think that health-related issues now that are most salient to people, what, what kinds of things would come to mind first? Yeah, so if you look at like fitness footing, we have a, a tag, um, I have a tag cloud where you can see sort of the top ones. And if I th remember right, um, weight and body fat tend to rule. Mm -hmm. um, dietary questions, especially as it relates around um, kind of the, whatever's hot at that time, and then exercise. So again, probably those three big things. But why people are pursuing those, if we could break it down probably into fear and hope. Um, there's something they fear, and so they're pursuing it. Like I said, if I have just been diagnosed mm -hmm. with a disease, uh, perhaps, or I'm thinking about something or the future, perhaps. But then what am I hoping for? And that could be driving it. But generally speaking, we see weight and body fat, exercise and diet. Yes, yeah, stress too probably yeah. is coming in more and more. Uh, so many people are stressed now and they want some relief from that. Mm -hmm. And what, what would you say are stressing people, the, the weight and the dietary issues? Yeah, clearly. <laughs> and, you know, ironic, you know, like the weight-related stress, one of the most common coping mechanisms is, is unhealthy food. And so it's a perpetual cycle uh, with that. And the stress itself can, can damage the body. And then the excess weight can damage the body. And then I have excess weight and I'm stressed. I don't want to have time. I don't have time or I don't want to go exercise and then that could be damaging to the body. And so it's, it's a, yeah, it's a perpetual situation. So what's your theory? How did we get here as a society? Yeah. So it's a good question. You know, in the medicine side, we quit treating causes and we started focusing more on symptoms. I think that's one big thing. We are turning that tide and getting back to treating the causes. Um, you know, seven of the 10 leading causes of death, right, in the, in the United States, eight of the 10 in, in Texas are preventable chronic disease. Um, and these are largely preventable. You know, the largest risk factor, the, the number one risk factor for premature death and disability in the U.S. is diet, is now surpassed smoking. And then physical, insufficient physical activity is, is the third behavior. And so if we don't treat those things, then, then we're not going to fix our problem. But then why are we behaving the way we do? Uh, I think it's probably a mix between our natural desires as humans and then how the environment caters to that and exploits that. You know, for example, we, we as humans crave high-fat, high-sugar foods. Mm -hmm. At one point, that probably helped us survive. But if we lived in the wild, we would not get much of that. Right. And so it would have been beneficial then, just like it would have been beneficial to store that energy as fat. Uh, it would have been beneficial to conserve that energy and be lazy. And so we're having, that was a natural response, but you put that in today's environment where you have high fat, high sugar food, fast and cheap, and it tastes good. And now again, if I'm stressed, I don't have time, I pursue it. We have jobs and lifestyle that keep us, you know, sedentary, lazy and active. And then we, our body's just doing the natural thing and storing it. And, and reaping the, the unhealthy uh, consequences. So we're kind of having a natural response to an unnatural environment. And that's, that's really the, the simple answer as to why we're, we are where we are. So I've heard it said that we are um, overnourished. I mean, we actually, we worry about getting uh, enough nutrition and we talk yeah. a lot about nutrition, but actually our society, in some cases, we, we have, way more nutrition than we need. We're overnourished or we're undernourished and overweight. I mean, there's... Yeah, nourish is a weird word. It is a weird word. <laughs> yeah, we overeat. Yeah. On we, average, we eat beyond our needs on average in America. Uh, you know, the last, I think I saw that, um, I did an example a while back, like a 40-year-old woman 
overeats uh, based on the average data in the U.S. was something like 350 calories, you know, at a, on average a day. 350 a day? Mm-hmm. Three, wait, yeah, to- ba- total? Based on, so like the, yeah, based on the averages. Is that, wait, per meal? Per, per day. Per day. Mm-hmm. Only 350 or 3,500? So oh. that can be a task okay. for the listeners. Okay. <laughs> Three Excess 350 calories. Oh, an excess of. Per day. 3,500 calories is one pound. Okay. And they can add that up over the year. Um, but so you have others that are in excess of, I've worked with patients over the years that have been in excess of, you know, two or 3,000 calories per day. Uh, and so it's a big, big range. And so we have to be careful. You know, again, it is, I call it nourish, nourish. Um, but yeah, we have way more food than, than we need mm-hmm. to eat. And I want to clarify something, what you just said. So there's the basic needs. So basal metabolic rate. I mean, you, an, an adult needs mm-hmm. an, about 1,200 calories a That's day. That's kind of the general, yeah, the general consensus. But if you're eating in excess, that means that you're getting, you're eating more calories than you're actually burning more calories than you really need to maintain your physical activity. Yeah, and so usually what they do is they there's a formula, it's like the Harris-Benedict formula that you you take your, and there are calculators online, you take your basal metabolic rate calculated with usually your gender age, uh, maybe weight, I can't remember if that's included, but then you multiply that number, which will be in calories by an activity factor, which represents how active you are. So somebody that's not very active, it's not going to be much, their caloric needs are not going to be much more than their basal, kind of just their normal physiological functions. But somebody who's really active is going to be expending more energy as measured by calories, thus they, they may need more. And so it is relative to that individual. The problem, though, is that in, in America and in Texas, the average person is sedentary. The average person is then eating more calories, but it's not because they're necessarily stuffing themselves, and that is the case, but the foods they're choosing are, are just rich in calories mm-hmm. or calorie-dense. And they don't give us a lot of nutrition, which is why I probably wouldn't say nourish, because the problem is a lot of calories from food that really doesn't have much nutrition. Sure. So it sounds a little complicated when you're talking about excess and this times this and blah, blah, blah. But it it just comes down to calories in, calories out for each individual, right? Basically. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) no, I mean, you're going to hear that a lot. And that's probably a decent place um, to begin to simplify the way I like to err on the side of saying, eat quality foods and the quantity will take care of itself. That makes sense. Yeah. So what is it like? One Snicker bar is calorically is equivalent to 30 something cups of baby spinach. And, and so the idea that if we choose correct foods, um, we can eat enough volume, but not get very many calories. It's when we start choosing some of the processed stuff and the fast food and the junk food that mm-hmm. We don't eat a lot of volume, or we can, but we don't have to to get a lot of calories. So choose quality, take care of that first, especially if, like most people, you're not wanting to measure calories in and out. So is there a magic diet? Is there a... Well, is we, it, which one is it? Well, what we do... <laughs> what, do we need to wait for a break for that answer? But yeah, yeah so the... It probably, so yeah, there's this it's a pretty detailed um, answer that we want to cover there, <laughs> but there is um, a, a lot of, it's a, it's a lot about choices. And so mm-hmm. what we want to do is um, talk a little bit more about that, about the choices that you make. And, um, and then I also want to get into a little bit about why and, and how to find the motivation to make yeah. those choices that you need to make. Um, Cause one of the things that I love that you, you say often when you do your um, presentations is we have, we have the magic pill. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about what that is, it's, um, but it's maybe not what people think it is. And it's not something that you can get on one of those infomercials or order it out of the catalog. I, mean, I guess I could sell it if they're wanting to pay somebody. <laughs> you would sacrifice yeah. to do that. Too. <laughs> okay, I mean, we could, you know, you can, yeah, you can make all kinds of money, right? I always said maybe. that I was, and my brother came up with this idea. We always talked about uh, making insoles for shoes uh-huh. and saying they're like miracle shoes for weight loss and you buy them and then you put them in the prescriptions, you put them in your shoe and walk like two hours a day. (laughs) 
and that'll work. Yeah. And it'll work, but it's the shoe soles, not the fact that you're walking. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about that more, but we got to take a break. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio, 104.5, 106.1. This is Amy Ressler. You're listening to the Extension Hour every Friday right here on Lone Star Community Radio. We'll be right back. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app for your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That is Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. Good afternoon. We are back with the Extension Hour every Friday right here on Lone Star Community Radio. Uh, we have different hosts, and so you may be wondering what happened to that guy that I heard last time because I want to know the farm report um, or the agriculture toolbox. And that's uh, but I'm Amy Ressler, County Extension Agent, Family and Community Health, and uh, today our topic is health. And, and um, I haven't mentioned this yet when we've been talking, but there is a very um, strong correlation between agriculture and health. I mean, where our food comes from, and we have a, a program and extension called Path to the Plate. Um, that kind of explores that and helps consumers understand that. And Mark, you were actually part of that um, training for the the mm-hmm. Path to the Plate champions, um, mm-hmm. giving us some information. So my guest today is Dr. Mark Ferris, and you are with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service and also with um, School of Public Health. And I was I was I was making not making jokes, but I was mm-hmm. you you have a very very distinguished lengthy title because yeah. um, you do lots of good stuff. But basically, I mean, your job is. Kind of helping people, right? That's it. That's it. <laughs> so um, kind of had a little bit of a teaser before the break. We talked about um, there is actually a magic pill or a metaphorical pill. There's a prescription. There's a prescription for being healthy. And you mentioned a little bit earlier about eight, uh, what, seven of the 10 leading causes of death are behavioral related. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about that. Tell us, you know, what, what is the prescription and how do we solve those things that are that we can prevent? Yeah, so in short, we know that uh, a lot of people are suffering from particular diseases and dying early uh, from those same diseases. But if you look at the cause of those diseases, then you have to look at our lifestyles as a main contributor uh, with diet, smoking, and insufficient physical activity really being the top three behaviors that we would want to focus on. And all of those are things that we have control over, so we can make choices over what we put in our mouth and what we do. Well, sure. I mean, I think absolute control, but relative to the individual, there may be feelings I have no control. You know, I've I've seen a three-inch cigarette bring down big, big men, you know, and very strong-willed people. Um, But it's just, you know, so like the nicotine, Mm -hmm. you got some addiction, you got food, you got the desire to be inactive, as we talked a bit earlier, or sort of natural responses that we have, but we're in an environment that's constantly tempting those sure. and stimulating those. And, you know, they, they play to our busy schedules and how stressed we are. And, and so we tend to consume. And so, yeah, I think on paper, right, it's easy to say, look, you are in control and people need to know that they are. Um, the classic medical model that, you know, can pervade medicine is that you're, you're broken and I'll fix you. And it's not a very empowering uh, model. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to get away from that and say, well, actually, you know, you, you can make changes. Um, and so if you look at the magic pill, so to speak, metaphorically, it would be those, really those three behaviors, getting a, a healthy diet, uh, which is right now the, the, the evidence is very robust that a predominantly whole food plant-based diet uh, so just getting your fruits and vegetables and, and your plants. There was a large meta-analysis that came out a few years ago, and it showed that, um, looked at all the studies and found that there was a big decrease in risk of getting and dying from our major killers, heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes. Mm-hmm. When people got seven servings of fruits and vegetables per day, then when they got 10 servings of fruit and vegetable today, it, per day, it dropped even more. And we have now evidence that these type of diets can reverse heart disease. And that's been shown in, by two different researchers. It's been shown that it can start reversing at a genetic level prostate cancer. Dean Ornish is showing that. Uh, and so the power of 
that type of diet is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And as Dr. Michael Greger always says, you know, if, if you have a diet that could reverse the number one killer in the U.S., then that, that might be the standard magic pill diet if we, if we had to choose one. Mm -hmm. And then getting enough physical activity, which our recommendation is, is at least 30 minutes a day of some moderate intensity that, that you like, mm -hmm. and then doing it for long enough to get the results. I've heard you talk about the 10,000-step rule. Mm -hmm. So 10,000 steps, is that the gold standard, or is there... Tell 10, us more about that. Yeah, so 10,000 steps is great. Um, we actually have a little more evidence to support the link to health. And it's the recommendation is really three-pronged. The first one is get at least 5,000 steps every day. Um, we find the data supports that being inactive increases your risk of disease and premature death, regardless of how active you are. And specifically, when I say inactive, I'm talking about sitting. Mm -hmm. And so with our jobs keeping us sitting, so I could sit all day and then go for a 30-minute walk. And that 30-minute walk is great, but we're now having to look and how do we deal with that constant sitting. And so mm -hmm. steps is a very easy way of looking at that. And if you get your pedometer, whatever choice on your phone or Fitbit or whatever, right. then you have 5,000 steps as a minimum. We used to think 10,000 and still that is good, but we're seeing that 7,500 is more of the, the active goal for us to reach. And if you want to take it a step further, 3,000 of your 7,500 or more steps per day should be at 100 steps per minute. And so you can go online, for example, and find songs that are 100 beats mm -hmm. per minute, like Staying Alive by the Bee Gees is <laughs> yeah. 100 beats per minute. That's a, You know, you, they also teach that in CPR, right? Yeah, same yep. thing. Compressions at <laughs> so 100. Sing it in your head if you have to. <laughs> That's it. But, you know, I tell people you can make a playlist, mm -hmm. you know, of 30 minutes at of around 100 beats per minute, those songs, whatever flavor you like, and go walk to that. And you'd be walking at that 100 step per minute pace for 30 minutes, thus reaching that 30 minute per day of a moderate intensity activity mm -hmm. for 150 minutes, at least per week. So steps are a phenomenally easy way to do it. And um, I, I do it and I really recommend for others as well. And I, the first time I heard you say that about the 7,500 steps is actually really good. That was encouraging to me because sometimes when people think about 10,000 steps, I, I mean, I guess it's all about perspective, but it, you know, you could think, oh, that's not that many, but then when that, that's pretty close to about five miles. Yeah. So it depends on step. Yeah. yeah. But so mm -hmm. roughly five miles and trying to get that in a day and what we've been talking about, some of those challenges that people experience where, um, you know, I don't have the, 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 the time. I don't, I'm not able to make the time, um, job demands, family demands, those kinds of things. Um, so, uh, trying to get to 10,000 steps a day can be kind of discouraging, mm -hmm. um, to think that there's, there's just no way I can do that. And so for some people I can't get 10,000, so I'm, I'm not even going to worry about it, not even going to try. But what you're saying is actually 7,500 is a good goal. I mean, the basic goal, more 5,000 or more. Yeah. Well, and actually, you know, 500 more steps than you currently get is good. And so seeing it more as this adoption process mm -hmm. uh, is probably healthy as, as well. You know, when, so when I changed to this job at A&M and I have my standing desk and I, I stand and sit and up and down, but if I go through an eight-hour workday, I only get about 1,500, 2,000 steps. If I don't make myself walk around, and you've been to our building, you know, you can sure. make a big loop. Mm -hmm. If I can leave that day, workday, right after it, with 3,500 or 4,000 steps, then like clockwork, usually I go for my 30-minute walk and lift some weights every day after work. Mm -hmm. Then I can get my 7,500 I can get about 4,000 steps during that 30 minutes. But if I didn't get that during my work day, when I get home, even though I goof off and play around at home, I still can't reach that 7,500 or 10,000 steps. And so it took a while for me to find out where those breaks were and how can I do that and make myself take a little longer walk to the bathroom unless, unless I have to go really badly <laughs> uh, or take the long walk to the copier, you know what I mean? Or just sure. take a break, you know, let my brain rest and walk around and get back. Uh, people take smoke breaks. And so I tend to take a walk break uh, just to kind of relieve. And I found that it actually really, really helps my productivity. And when you're staring at that computer screen and writing, 
and I read tips all the time and try them. And if they work for me, then great. If they don't, then fine as well. So mm-hmm. it is kind of seeing where you are and then inching your way toward that 7,500. Sure. Because it's a very personal and individualized yeah. um, process. Yeah. Health. I mean, your health is your health. It's your body. You're the one that's responsible for it. So you do have to find out kind of what works for you and, and um, you know, what makes the difference. All right. So we're, we've been talking about the prescription. Mm-hmm. How would you write it out? What is the prescription? Yeah, so very basically, I recommend getting at least seven to 10 servings of, I would just say plants per day. Uh, and so it could be fruits and vegetables, but my vegetable, I include beans and whole grains and um, legumes, uh, nuts and seeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Michael Greger has an app, uh, free app, nonprofit. It's, it's called The Daily Dozen. And it's a very simple way to track how many fruits and veggies you get. Oh, and it's very, it's easy. Um, you, you might see that it's challenging at first, but it's, it's worthwhile. And so I tend to focus, focus people in on getting more, more plants, eat more plants. Mm-hmm. Um, so seven to 12 vegetables or fruits and vegetables, plant foods. Plant, just, yeah, just getting your fruits and vegetables, right? And then um, second would be getting at least 30 minutes of some kind of moderate activity. Walking is awesome. Using steps is awesome. When you walk, you might feel a little bit of increased heart rate in your breathing. Now you know you're reaching some moderate intensity. Uh, don't smoke would, would be the third uh, big thing that I would say. And fourth is choose things that you like. Don't ever feel forced that you have to eat things or do things that you don't like because there are so many options. If you hate raw broccoli, don't eat raw broccoli. Mm-hmm. Cook it differently. Or try but be adventurous else. and try it different but ways. Definitely be adventurous. You know, you may never know. I didn't know I liked yoga or something, and you sure. tried it. Um, and so it's definitely worthwhile to try, but don't feel like you're forced because choosing what we like, that's going to stimulate a type of motivation that's much more healthy for longer term adherence because it's coming from the self and not coming from someone else. So that's what I want to talk about next. Okay. Okay. So people are listening, thinking, yeah, you got the prescription, but how do I get there? How do I figure out? you know, where do I find the motivation? So that's That's what I want to talk about. We got to take a break though. Uh, We're going to be back. Um, You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio and I'm Amy Ressler, County Extension Agent, Family and Community Health. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension Programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at 1 o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. And we are back. This is Amy Ressler, County Extension Agent, Family Community Health, and we are Texas A&M AgriLife, helping Texans make their lives better. If you just heard the little um, PSA, thanks for doing that, Dick. I appreciate it. So Dick is the um, station manager here, and he does a really great job helping us out, and we really appreciate um, what he does, what he does, (laughs) letting us um, do the extension hour, because I think that this is a great way to let people know about what we do in extension, because... um, you know, it's one of those misunderstood things that people, you know, what, what do you guys do? So right. we're always trying to um, explain, but in a nutshell, just helping Texans better their lives. Um, and one of the ways helping them better their lives is helping them um, lead healthier lives. And we've been talking a little bit and well, we've been talking almost an hour now. So, um, you know, lots of details and we could, we barely scratched the surface. Oh, yeah. There's a lot more that we could talk about. Um, and there's a lot of information out there and available, but we were just talking before this last break about the prescription and it is, it can be pretty simple. Um, you said seven to 12, uh, plant foods, fruits and vegetables a day, 30 minutes or more of physical activity on most days of the week. Don't smoke. And what was the last one? Choose some things that you'd like, you oh, know, yeah, focus yeah. on those don't things and 
kind of ease your way into it. Right. Because it doesn't, being healthy doesn't mean being miserable. A lot of people kind of get that idea, like I have to take away everything I like to be healthy. I mean, I've heard people make jokes, you know, well, if it tastes good, you can't eat it because it's not healthy. Well, and it is, it is perspective too, right? Like if, if I don't want to change and somebody's making me change mm-hmm. or I feel some pressure to change, that's going to suck. Um, even if it's for, for the better um, and engaging thoughts about ourselves in a negative way or feeling like we are being urged or pushed by someone else. Yeah, that can be discouraging and very difficult for people to adopt. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, we don't have just a whole lot of time left, but in the last few minutes, we want to discuss a little bit about finding your why. Yeah. Um, you, why, why should you change? Why would you want to? Where do you find the want? And then how do you take that want and um, transfer it into action to action, you know, cause we can, we can want all day and we can, we can know what to do. I mean, you can look at all the educators that are out yeah. there. That doesn't necessarily mean that knowledge does not always mean, what am I trying to say? That, that knowledge doesn't necessarily mean action. Knowledge doesn't necessarily mean results. You can know, but you have to actually yeah. Sp- do. Didn't Spider-Man say in the comic, knowledge is power or something like that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, exactly right. a few others besides Spider-Man have yeah. said that too. It's definitely, not, <laughs> it's definitely not the case. Uh, you have to know what you're doing. There's a saying with confidence that if I believe I can, I might. If I believe I can't, I probably won't. So just because I'm confident I can do something doesn't mean I'm going to do it. I'm confident I can unload the dishwasher, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I might. Uh, but at least getting ourselves to the point where we feel uh, confident in our abilities. But the why is really embedded in who we are, who we believe we are, and who we believe we want to be. And if you start looking at, uh, in my research, what I found was that people have sort of these identities or these parts of their self that are very meaningful to them. You know, for example, me being a good husband or dad, and if something threatens that, then I'll deal with it appropriately. Or maybe it's faith or it's survival or it's... um, social status. Maybe it is being more attractive, right? There's things that are very important to us. Mm -hmm. If these changes in health don't attach to those, it's going to be very, very hard to get motivated. So step one is to take a little bit of time and think about, okay, so I need to eat healthier and I need to be more active, but why why would I do that? Mm -hmm. And if you can't find that, it's going to be tricky. You can start the process. And we always talk about, um, you know, kids you have to brush their teeth for them. At one point, your mom, I assume, brushed your teeth. (laughs) Yeah. But eventually, you started doing that yourself. And so sometimes we do, we need the workout buddy to help us. We need walk across Texas and a team to get us going, to kind of brush our teeth for us, so to speak, or to help us remember. And then over time, we start brushing our own teeth. And so that, that, that is possible. And so if you haven't quite found your why, and why it's meaningful to you, then go ahead and start. But then that whole time, be searching, and eventually the, the, the switch will flip, so to speak. And so you have to find what's meaningful in your life, and how does a healthy lifestyle match up to that? Sure. I think of uh, City Slickers and Curly that said the secret of life is that one thing, and only you can figure it out. And you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, I forgot the other guy's name, but he tried, you know, the whole time he said, tell me that one thing, that one thing. And he's like, only you can figure it out. Yeah. That means that one thing is for you, I mean, you you have to figure out what yeah. works for you. So what works for you may not necessarily work for me. Well, it is, and it's 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 tricky because we assume sometimes errantly that everybody wants to eat healthy and exercise mm-hmm. for their health. Uh, but we've in our research we found that health can fall way down on the list, especially for like a younger person who sees no health concerns right now. We're saying, hey hey, darling, you need to lift weights now so you're not osteoporotic when you're 60. She's like, yeah, what? how does that help me this weekend? Mm-hmm. But then she finds out that if I do this workout program, I can look better. I can be more socially acceptable. That might attract her. I'm not saying that those things are the right or wrong, but for her, that that's it. And people disagree with me on this, and that's okay, but I'm okay with people finding their why other than health if that's the reason right now. Clearly, the I always know that health is in there, but if I also want to do it for my faith and taking care of my body, uh, or if I want to do it to look good for my wife, or I want to do it, it's not that those are bad, right? It's, right. 
it's it's just they're, they're different. And sometimes we have to find, but the key is to make sure if I am using one of those is that I'm choosing the right thing to get there. The tricky part is some people will be so motivated to like fix body image or something like that. Mm-hmm. They'll do something unhealthy mm-hmm. and do something uh, crazy or expensive or risky uh, and undermine their health. And so that's, that's probably the line that we would draw. Sure. There's a lot of psychology involved in motivation and, and you know, health, yeah. but trying to figure out that, that why and motivation. Yeah. Yeah. The, other, the other big, probably big piece behind motivation would be, um, which would help with that is you making the decision to do it. Um, I'll, I'll talk with patients and they'll say, um, why, I'll ask them, why are you exercising? Well, the doctor's making me. Mm. And I'm like, do you want to be healthier? Do you want to this? Well, yeah, I do. Then the doctor is not making you. You want to do that. And then, again, another switch flips. And like, okay, you know what? I do want to do that. If we can get to the point where we can find something meaningful, the reason to do it, and then we can flip the switch and say, you know, I, I do want to do this. We will be much better off when we engage those moments that are tempting. We engage those moments that are difficult to overcome, those barriers, obstacles, if it's coming from within and not feeling forced, even though at times we need that outside force, encouragement. I wouldn't have gone worked out today if you hadn't been waiting on me, for example. I needed that today. Mm-hmm. I just may not exist there all the time. Sure. And so when people do get to that point where they are ready for motivation and need some help and a little bit more information and where to start, Extension is a really good um, resource for that. We've got lots of health-related projects and programs that kind of help people um, understand um, health-related things a little better. So that's where our community health um, comes in is helping families, helping communities lead healthier lives and um, with it the is. information that's and there. And it's not just about the what, like you said, mm-hmm. and it's not even just about the why. I could have my why, I could know what to do, but not know how to do it. And that's where Extension steps in to help teach us how to apply those healthy habits. Mark, thank you so much for being here. Thank uh, so you. We could have talked another hour, but Dick's telling us we got to wrap it up. So thank you so much. It was great to have you. And you're listening to Lone Star Community Radio, the Extension Hour. I'm Amy Ressler, Family and Community Health. See you soon. Thank you for checking out this production of Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station. Don't forget to check out this show and many others across the Lone Star Community Radio Network. Either live on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, the Lone Star Internet Radio app, or IRLoneStar.com's live audio stream, and on replay on podcasts, Channel 12's Our City TV and Conroe, or Channel 21 KVQT in Houston, and of course, their YouTube channel. This production is copyrighted, and all rights are reserved by Lone Star Community Radio. Have a question regarding this program or other Lone Star Community Radio shows? Want to sponsor or start your own show? Call the station message line at 936-647-3776 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.